So the last time we came to you was 90 days ago, on July 30th. Since then, a lot has happened in the world. We've had a solstice. No, in, sorry, an equinox, not a solstice. Uh, Good start, Tom. Yeah, <laughs> great start. <laughs> We're a little rusty here. Uh, Brennan, what is what can happen in 90 days? It's two bi two biblical floods plus 10 days for everything to drain out. A lot can happen. Nine, 90 days. You could go around the world and have 10 days to spare, mythically. Um, what else could you do? You could uh, you could have six and a half fortnights, approximately. Roughly. Roughly. Um, 90 days ago, July 30th, think of it. We, you know, the world was coming apart. We had no idea who was going to be the next Democratic nominee for president. Like, things in the Middle East were crazy. Um, college basketball had scandals and all this kind of stuff. And now, like, everything's cleared up. And that's the, that's the best part. Since July 30th, there have been zero <laughs> college basketball games played. But if you take any three-month stretch during the season, there will be thousands of college basketball games played. In fact, three months is basically the entire college basketball season. So we had a bit of an off-season, but we were ready to go and talk some more college hoops. Double bonus the rest of the way. Double two bonus as well. Right, two free throws. Both teams will be on the double bonus, so we'll have two the rest of the way. Hey everyone, welcome to season two of the Double Bonus Podcast. For all the you doubters out there, we're back. We outlasted the Ringers One Shining Podcast, much <laughs> to everyone's surprise. <laughs> Take that, Titus and Tate. Um, <laughs> we're at the Double Bonus Podcast. I'm Brendan, and I'm with Tom. We're at Double Bonus Pod, and on Twitter, doublebonuspod.com. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. We're on Spotify too, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we're on Spotify. People like, that's how you know someone's legit. Yeah. So, what was it? Yeah, the other, this weekend, someone was like, oh, yeah, my, um, oh, my friend Meg, she said, uh, she, her, her sister was in town with her sister's fiance. And I was like, oh, the guy who's a musician, it's like, he said, she said, yeah, he's on Spotify. So that's letting you know you're legit. Like, you're on Spotify. You're not just a, a guy, you know, you, a dude. You know, so yeah. we're we're legit, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but this is the type of show where like people check their podcast app and they're like, "Whoa, I forgot I subscribed to that show." So we're back. <laughs> yeah, and I just um, before we start, I, I just want to tell you, Tom. Um, you know, it's been a long time, not just since we recorded, but since Tom and I hung out, um, and it just reminds me of a of a poem that I want to read to you now. Um, you you might recognize it. Uh, it's not an original, but it um, it's, it's timeless. Let's just put it that way. Um, just call me lonesome, heartbroken then some, because I ain't got no one since you've been gone. You called me baby, now I've got a new name. Don't need my old one. Call me lonesome from now on. But now we're together again. That's how I felt for 90 days. Wow. <laughs> A Radney Foster shout out. <laughs> oh yeah, big time Radney Foster. Del Rio, Texas, nineteen fifty three. I think was the name of his album. Um, yeah. So we have college basketball coming up. Not not too long into the future. The the first games are on November sixth. We're recording on October twenty eighth. That's just nine days away. Yeah. Wow. 
We got Michigan State, Kentucky. We got Kansas Duke and Champions Classic. We got St. Mary's, Wisconsin. Louisville, Miami. What? Virginia Tech, Clemson. What? Georgia Tech, NC State. What? There's three ACC games in opening night, Tom. What's going on? I think that is the uh, to plug the ACC network. How about Virginia getting uh, <laughs> getting uh, the national champion have to open on the road against Syracuse? I don't, it may not be on opening night, but it's certainly... Oh, it's the second night. Yeah, 9 p.m. ACC Network, so... Yeah, so, I mean, the ACC, they're wasting no time getting to their conference schedule, which is a, an interesting gambit, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But good for them. It's a lot of ACC games. But, I mean, the Champions Classic is obviously... Uh, we'll talk about this. That's some big-name big name teams, obviously, in New York. And then you get Virginia on the road against Syracuse. Syracuse, just no matter what, never leaves the state of New York in November. I don't care yeah. if the national champion is scheduled; they will come to the Carrier Dome. Yeah, well, let's let's check out the. When's the first time they're leaving? They're leaving. Let's see. They play Oklahoma State, number twenty-seven. I'm sure that's in New York somewhere. Yeah, it's in Brooklyn. It's at Barclays. Um, oh, I've got my first relog into the season on KenPom.com. <laughs> a tradition like <laughs> any other. This is exactly what I just did. I went to Syracuse's schedule. <laughs> I clicked the the button to see where the Oklahoma State game was played. It said Brooklyn, New York. I pressed back, and it said. Relog it. And we're still good. Uh, we expire 11:21, and we will re-up. It's one of the best deals in sports. And we love Ken Palm. And his rankings, yeah. which we're going to discuss later, are going to... The tradition is they're often pilloried, but then they turn out to be correct. But let's get it together. It's a new year. We're paying 20 bucks a year for this. Let's move on to log it every three seconds. Yeah, it's this is how he makes money. He charges people twenty dollars, way under. It's it's like it's like a, a two two part tariff. Twenty dollars just to get in, and then someone pays him like a cent per login. So, <laughs> so I don't know, someone's paying him for the login. Um, the first time Syracuse leaves the state of New York is on December eighth, and they play at Georgia Tech. Um, so you're right, they don't leave in November. Let's find the last time that they did. I mean, let's just start with the big news of the day, which is when is the last time Syracuse left the state of New York before December first? That's what. That's what fans want to know. It, it was last year. There you have it. They played yeah. at Ohio State in the uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge on November 28th. But still, I guess that was an early time for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Usually it's a little bit later. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't like to go uh, too far from home. Didn't take that long. But um, but let's uh, before, we're going to get in the top 25s, our first 20, top 25 of the year. We're going to talk about conference-by-conference conference breakdown, talk about Ken Palm's rankings. Uh, first, I want to hit a couple of the big stories that we missed from the last few months, um, and I think the one I want to focus on first is uh, near and dear, maybe not dear, to Tom's heart, and that is uh, there have been uh, was it a notice of allegation, is that what it's called, yes. Tom? Yes, level a one. notice of allegation, no, level one, violation, which yeah. sometimes level one is like the least severe, and sometimes level one is the most severe, depending on what thing you're in. Like, level one of a game is like not very severe, but like... Level one infractions, I guess, are a little bit worse. What, tell us about what's going on in Kansas and how you're feeling about it. So Kansas has been involved in recruiting big-name players the last couple of years, two of them, Billy Preston and Silvio D'Souza. And they've also been involved with Adidas and an apparel deal. You may be familiar with the quote-unquote federal fraud trial that, con- uh, that concluded last fall in which someone was convicted of um, defrauding Kansas. Well, the NCAA smartly realized that Kansas was not being defrauded and Kansas was likely involved in paying the players or guardians or associates or friends or family of the players. So Kansas never played Billy Preston. Preston left the school last year. They played D'Souza two years ago um, and that's a problem for them. And basically uh, Kansas has been accused of a lack of institutional control including 
bill self. So basically, Kansas has been accused of spending tens of thousands of dollars on these to help funnel these players toward the school. Uh, it's not a great look. It's also something that might be allowed in five or ten years, uh, depending on how legislation goes and how things are reformed. But it's not a good look for Kansas, and they are in jeopardy now, serious jeopardy, I would say, of having a heavy suspension against their coach, Bill Self, and also being suspended from or banned from postseason play. Not this year, because the process has to play out, if you will, but they, I think, more likely than not to be banned from the postseason for the 2021 NCAA tournament. So it's not, I, I would say Kansas is kind of being made an example of here, and I'm not sure their reaction to this, um, these accusations has been. The best one with Bill Self wearing a gold chain to promote a Snoop Dogg event and basically <laughs> just really doubling down on what they did, uh, basically saying, we don't care what you, what allegations you serve as notice for, but um, I, I don't think it's really outside the norms of what's going in college basketball, but it's definitely against the rules. And so it's really hard for me to sit here and say, well, Kansas doesn't deserve to be punished for what they've done. It's kind of arrogant and it's kind of... Uh, I don't know, careless is the right word, or just they, they've they probably been doing this for a while and this is they finally got caught. I don't really think it's like a great black mark on the program because I think other schools are doing it, just like, you know, they were linked to paying money to Zion Williamson, but Zion Williamson ended up, or rumored to be interested in paying money to Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson ended up on Duke, so what are the odds that Zion Williamson didn't take money from, that Kansas was prepared to offer money and Duke wasn't and just decided on Duke? Like, not that high. So I'm rambling here. As well as DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. I'm rambling here a little bit, but players get paid by schools. It's not news. If you get caught, you're going to feel the penalties of it, and Kansas is in line to feel the penalties of it, and they really can't... They don't really have much of a Lego stand-on if they want to go around and say they were def- they were defrauded by the booster. No, he was probably acting with um, Kansas' knowledge. Um, their assistant coach Townsend has been involved. Kurt Townsend's been involved in uh, texting... Uh, the boosters, the boosters' name is escaping me at this point, um, but uh, it's just not a good look for Kansas, and they're going to get nailed probably, and it's going to end the longest streak of making the NCAA tournament in the history of the tournament if it happens. So, uh, yeah, wow. so this is a big year for Kansas because they may not be playing in the NCAA tournament next year. The boosters' name, well, this article doesn't have it. Oh, TJ Gasnola, is that yeah, what you're talking about? That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he good fell old, on his sword. He got convicted, I believe, and basically said Kansas didn't know anything about this. So he's a good good soldier, so to speak. But no one's buying that. The NCAA's not buying it. Now, is this really that big a deal that they paid Sylvia D'Souza's uh, guardian $25,000? No. Um, but is it against the rules? Yes, I guess is my take. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I'm sure you don't have that much sympathy for the Jayhawks. Well... Um you know, my standing on following rules is that rules should be followed unless the rules are immoral. And breaking the rules is actually more moral. I don't think this constitutes that. Maybe for the player, but not for the school. Um, you know, I, obviously we can we could dive deeper into the California likeness, um, making money off your likeness law that was passed that the NCAA is kind of grappling with now. Coach K coming out in favor of this, other coaches coming out against it. Um, you know, my, I, my vision is a bit more, I don't know, if you, it's not really conservative, but maybe it's just more like um, 
it's just different. Um, you know, I think that the tricky part is this, that there is clearly a value to top players playing college basketball. It's a value to them because they can improve their draft stock, they can improve their, uh, their image and their brand, and they can have fun and be like the big man on campus. And there's not that many players that bring a value above replacement player that's very high to the schools in and of themselves. Which, by which I mean, if you tomorrow said, okay, the top 50 players in college basketball are going to be going to the NBA, straight to the NBA, or the G League, or wherever. The 51 through 100 yesterday are not all that valuable. They're probably more valuable than their scholarship, but not by that much, maybe by tens of thousands of dollars. Um, but those 50 now become not as valuable as 1 through 50 just because of the spread of talent, but they become quite, quite valuable because the replacement level is lower and and they're much better than replacement. And I guess my point is that they in and of themselves, like the sport is going to be about as valuable regardless of which set of like top 300 players enter the top 75 programs every year. But it's just a matter of like who are the best of of that subset. And so I think that makes it hard for me to establish what the value is. Although clearly there is value there because you have coaches making millions and all those money being poured into facilities. The, so I think that, and I think the other part of it is my kind of long defense of the NCAA, as, in tepid defense, but a defense nonetheless, is that there is that for most college Division One athletes, even college basketball players, the value of the scholarship is actually more than the value they're bringing to the school. It's obviously there's a lot that are not the case for, but it's it's more in the hundreds than it is in the thousands, because of the value of the education and the network and all that kind of stuff. Though I think that you know, a friend of mine, uh, Kevin, who hosts a podcast on running, made a point that you know when he went to the University of Oregon, he wasn't seeing a lot of athletes getting a really high quality education. Like they, the classes they were kind of forced into, their their focus was also was mainly on football or basketball. They weren't really allowed to study abroad, or it was frowned upon. Um, and so, is the value of the education really that valuable? It's uh, including the fact that education is like one of the few things in the world over the last fifty years that's actually gone up in cost. Education, healthcare, and childcare—the three things that have gone up in cost. Everything else has gone down in cost. So, is the case that healthcare is maybe sort of that education is a bit inflated in its cost? Um, so, I think that there is exploitation going on, and the question is, how do you fix that? On the other hand, I think that it's a little bit overstated because players have options. There is a G League, there is Europe, and uh, or, or other countries—Australia, China, etc. And the NBA is who is forcing kids to go to to not go to the NBA right out of college, right out of high school. Oh, definitely. Um, and so the NBA is first of all, the NBA should not have an age limit, um, and then any player can go to the NBA draft that wants to, and then any other player can go to Europe or the G League that wants to, and then the rest of the players, I think, at that point, have a not a great case that they're being unknowingly exploited. doesn't mean they're not still being exploited, but they kind of opt into the exploitation for some value to them, improving the draft stock, having fun on campus, getting good coaching, good facilities, whatever the case may be. So, um, and again, that NBA rule is not, maybe the college, maybe NCAA kind of likes the rule or liked it at one point because they got a lot of stars on campus, but it's not an NCAA rule. 
Right. So um, that, that's kind of I don't I don't have a really strong position, but that's kind of the the nuance that I see in it. Um, even though I so I kind of agree with both sides, so it's kind of a nothing position. No, I think you make good points. It's <clears throat> excuse me. It's certainly not the worst uh, labor exploitation in the world going on right now. I think that there is something to be said for a critical mass of basketball players bringing um, value to the sport. So even if you're not you know, one of the 50 or 100 best players, you still play a role on a team. And if no one played the sport, then there would be no value in the top players. So I think some of that money, in theory, should be redistributed down to the, um, the lesser players because these guys, the stars, need to play someone. They need to have an institution of the sport to play someone. I don't think that um, the, this problem is an easy one to solve. I just wonder if it's worth the NCAA's energy, especially given the new legislation, to go around chasing down these infractions, which really, in the grand scheme of things, don't really matter, don't really reflect any moral failings on the part of uh, anyone involved. Like, is it a problem for a player's guardians? And D'Souza, for example, his, he didn't even know about the the payments his guardian was getting, but is it a problem for a guardian to try to get $30,000 from a school that is signing multi-million dollar deals with um, athletic wear companies and is getting tons of money from making the NCAA tournament every year because of the billion dollar TV contracts? No. Is it wrong for the school really? Does it really make a big difference if a school is paying some money to funnel these players toward them to try to compete and make the sport better? Not really. So, is but is it is it against the rules? Yes. And should if they do, how can you say like oh it's, is is it like is it a t- is the rule so ridiculous that Kansas should just flout it and not pay attention to it? Probably not. So it is a little ridiculous that D'Souza is playing for Kansas this year uh, after they reduced his two-year ban to one year. Like, they paid him to come to the school, and they now are benefiting from that because everyone knows he paid them. Right? They paid his guardian, but he still gets to play for the for the Jayhawks. That's insane to me. He probably should have been, you can go anywhere you want, but not Kansas. So that's strange to me. Kansas is going to get nailed. They're going to make an example of it, and five years from now it's going to look a little ridiculous when there's some sort of compensation level and the amount of money we're talking about for these players is not going to it's going to be allowed by the NCAA or allowed by legislation by various states and it becomes a critical mass and the NCAA is really powerless to stop it yeah I, I guess I do wonder how it, it shakes out um, in terms of legislation and how the NCAA will, will react um, we can do a yeah, whole I, podcast I, yeah. on the, the law issues of that whether the interstate commerce clauses come into effect and all sorts of and, and antitrust laws uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you and I, while both intelligent, probably don't firmly grasp the legal aspects of. Yeah, so in that being the case, let's go to our top 25. Yeah. Um, we're going to go straight to it. So um, basically, we want to start with the top 25, which I'll introduce the concept. I mean, obviously, even though the concept of top 25, this one's a little bit different. But I want we want to start there because we're going to talk about most of these teams, or we would have if we started with a conference preview. We'd spend we'd have spent a bunch of that time talking about a lot of these teams, and so instead of just going to focus on, we're going to start with who we think are the best teams in the country, and then we'll talk about the other teams in their conferences, um, and make sure that you are prepared, that we and that we are prepared because we're you know we'll learn some things as we go. I'm sure from each other uh, for the start of the college basketball season. This top twenty five is based on. Um, our friend, lover of logins, uh, Ken Pomeroy, <laughs> and his claim that the AP poll would be much more interesting if it actually had something at stake. Basically, that whever correctly picked or had highest ranked in each poll, the eventual national champion, uh, got like a large pool of money. Um, and so 
therefore moving teams up and down kind of randomly based on whether they happen to have like an okay win or a bad loss or a decent loss or a good win or whatever the case may be. He said it's kind of arbitrary and he's right. And it it shows because usually the AP poll at the start of the year is actually more accurate when it comes to picking national champion than the AP poll at the end of the season prior to the NCAA tournament. And so what this poll is, is not the 25 best teams in the country. And whenever we do it during the season, it won't be the 25 best teams in the country. It'll be the 25 teams in order of their likelihood in our minds to win the national title. So you're going to get, at least when I did it, and maybe it's different or the same for you, Tom, as you get towards the lower half of the top 25, maybe you're thinking more about potential upside. Like if this team really put it all together, they can win a national title because really entering a season, the top, there's not 25 teams probably with a legitimate shot to win the national title, but they're maybe one team that's not ranked that has a legitimate shot. And the question is, how do you identify that team? What was your, what were you thinking as you were putting your list together? Uh, I was thinking like what teams could be dangerous, what teams have some great talent that we may not know about or exploring just, yeah, who are the long, sh- just who are like the cra- not so crazy long shots to make the final four. Cause I don't think too many people last year had Auburn making the final four and they were a double dribble away from the championship game, a call double dribble away from the championship game. So you got to think it's hard to ha- catch lightning in a bottle, but you got to think about which of these teams could be explosive and just kind of burst on the scene and, um, and make a deep run in the tournament. Cause there's, uh, there's, I think last tournament, even though Virginia was the best team and they won, it, they were very close to losing twice. Uh, actually, three times. Three times. Three times, yeah. yeah. So half their games. And just really anything can happen. So you just kind of pick the teams. You, you know, there's like probably like three or four categories. There's the long shot category. Like I could, it's probably not going to happen, but if I got great odds on them, i take them. Then there's the middle category where like they're going to be solid and they could be better than we think. And then there's the, uh, maybe there's like a second tier of the elite teams and the uh, like the true... Uh, elite teams that like I really think have a great shot to win the national title, like the inner circle, like the four, top four or five teams. That's that's how I kind of broke them out. Yeah, last year we did this first on November 26th, which is about two and a half weeks into the season. And if you look at it, um, we both have Virginia sixth, they won the national title. Um, we both had Texas Tech twelfth, and they finished second. And then Tom had Auburn 7th, and I had Auburn 11th. And as Tom mentioned, they made the Final Four are very close to making the championship game. And uh, Tom had Michigan State 11th, and I had Michigan State 10th. So as of, I mean, this is not the same. There were games played by then, several games played. But as of about two and a half weeks into the season, four, the, all four Final Four teams came from the top 12. Again, at the time, most people had Duke as number one. We both had Duke number one the first time through. Tom of Virginia up soon thereafter to second um, with Duke number one. And then we both switched off of Duke in March. Um, uh, Tom correctly putting Virginia first. I put Gonzaga first and Virginia second. And, and that's why Tom won it because he had Virginia as his uh, as a highly, more highly rated than I had Virginia. So Tom actually won this pool last year. Uh, so if there were a large pool of money, he would have gotten it. Um, but there wasn't, and I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, so... So um, I think what we want to do is count down, count down, yeah, count down from twenty-five to twenty, twenty-five to one, um, and we can say a word or two about each team if you want. Uh, we can just go back and forth, kind of rapid fire a sentence or two about why we put them where we did. Uh, as we go all the way from twenty-five down to one, obviously as we get closer, we'll um, we'll know who's left. But why don't you start us with your number twenty-five, Tom? I'll start with uh, Texas at twenty-five. Shaka Smart in a make-or-break year. In Austin, we know I've talked about how 
lucky he is that it's a football school, but he has some good new faces there uh, on campus. Um, and I feel like they're going to uh, play a little bit faster. And they got Will Baker as a good recruit at center. And they uh, they look they had really good players at really good flashes at times last year. So I think that they're a worthy long shot. Okay. Well, I actually have Texas higher, so I'll wait on my okay. Texas talk a little bit until I get to them. I had number twenty-five. I had LSU. Uh, LSU, um, you know, a kindred spirit to Kansas, a team that might be facing some uh, some notices of allegations soon. Uh, they return uh, Javante Smart, who, to whom Will Wade gave quote a strong ass offer last year. It was recorded on tape, <laughs> quote unquote. So yeah, so he, I think he'll be probably their best player. They did lose uh, Tremont Waters and Nas Reed and Cavell Bigby Williams. Um, the first two going in the in the draft, Tremont Waters being a, ter- a terrific defensive player at point guard as well as their um, their best all around player. Skyler Mays is back as a senior guard. Um, Emmett Williams is a is a formerly highly touted player. Trendon Watford's a five star center. This team should be really good on offense. They probably will not be very good on defense, but if the defense comes together, they're kind of one of those long shots who could put together a run in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Cool. So you probably have my next team a little bit higher, or you might not. I don't know. I have Providence at 24th in the country. Uh, they're going to get some uh, – you can talk more about Providence, but I think Ed Cooley's a good coach, and their point guard play uh, is going to be better this year. And I think the Big East is kind of there for the taking if they want to, if they have a really good year. So I put Providence at um, 24th. I know some people, Matt Norlander perhaps, have them ranked in the top 15. Ken Palm not quite mm-hmm. as high on them, so kind of split the difference there because Ken <coughs> Palm rankings are more accurate than you think. But yeah, Providence is 24. Yeah, I didn't have Providence in my top 25 um, for a few reasons. One is their offense was awful last year. Um, they, they had major problems at point guard, and they did bring in Lalonde Pipkins from UMass as a fifth-year transfer, and he can definitely run the offense and maybe in Kyron Cartwright style. Uh, probably not as good as Kyron Cartwright, who was second-team All-Big East. Um, and this team is very point guard reliant uh, among the tops in the nation in terms of percentage of their assists that come from the point guard position. He has been injured to start the season. This is the kind of the one thing about – so there's two, two reasons why I don't have Providence rated at, in the top 25 – Along with maybe not wanting to jinx them, <laughs> one is um, they've had a lot of injuries in the in the in the off season. Now maybe the guys are going to be back, maybe they won't. Um, we've seen Luan Pipkins be injured with a hamstring. He did play in the quote unquote secret scrimmage, which he just called a called a private or a controlled scrimmage or something I, like that. So Close scrimmage. I, I saw some good tweets about this mm-hmm. today. So is it secret that it's happening, or secret that what goes on in it? But either way, it's not a secret because we there are like photos of box scores from this on Twitter. So it's yeah, I literally saw a photo of a box secret. score. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe like the unofficial or like closed door or something for you. Yeah. So in this game, uh, Lawan Pipkins uh, played 17 minutes off the bench. Uh, no one played very particularly well in offense except for uh, Alpha Diallo, who's uh, probably a borderline All-American candidate, certainly a first-team All-Big East player. Uh, but he's been injured. Nate Watson is still out. He's uh, a center who some have picked. Uh, I know the Three Man Weave, which is a podcast I recommend to folks who really like to get in the nitty gritty of college basketball. They had him. Uh, one of them had him on their third team All Big East uh, as a center. Um, he's been injured. Greg Gant, who's a four star freshman recruit who was going to supposed to add some depth and athleticism 
off the bench. He's been injured with an Achilles injury. So they've had a lot of injuries, and that's not thing to mention, um, you know, guys who are back but have been injured recently in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the second reason that I don't have them rated very high is because Ed Cooley has never had a team that has been a top 25 team. Um, you know, he's always had solid teams. Uh, last year, obviously, they had a down year. But he's not shown the capability of putting together an, uh, a, an elite team at Providence. Their highest... Um, Ken Palm rating was a 27. That was in 2015. And that was the year they were actually in the top 10 at points in the season before they fell in the, uh, scuffled on the stretch a little bit and lost to Dayton in the NCAA tournament. Um, that team had Chris Dunn, Dante Henton, um, Ben Bentel, um, people that obviously I am very familiar with. Maybe some of you are too. Um, but that team was close to the top 25 in Ken Palm, and they finished 27th. And I think that team had a lot more for sure aspects to it than this one does now they do have a lot of upside um and starting with alpha diallo who's one of the best players in the big east he can do everything uh, he's a six seven forward but can play point guard he can pass he can rebound he can get in the post david duke he's trying to uh reclaim the, that name for uh for righteousness um wait, wait, he... wait, what's wrong with that name no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah anyway uh, yeah, David, uh, speaking of LSU, we just went from LSU. Uh, David Duke famously uh, claimed that Shaquille O'Neal had no trouble with the David Duke when he was running for uh, senator or governor back when uh, Shaquille O'Neal was at LSU, my number 25 pick. Um, David Duke had a great summer in the Pan Am games. He was terrific um, there, and he's been quite good in, so far in the preseason. Emmett Holt, who's missed basically two full seasons after a serious abdominal surgery and, and illness, he's looked very good. Um, and they do have other solid players. A.J. Reeves is a good sophomore, um, and Malik White is a kind of veteran uh, guard off the bench. Um, and they're coached by Akuli, who's a good coach, and their defense should be good. Uh, but I do think that even if the pieces all come together, like it's hard for me to see them being better than like 20th. And so that so that people have them 15th or in the top 25 start of the season, even when the pieces aren't even close to coming together. And they could easily be, like, the 60th best in the country. It feels like people are mistaken the high end. There's not a lot of upside, I guess, in, in having problems this high. But um, I hope everyone's right, and I hope I'm wrong. So, um, pretty, pretty dim view of the Friars, I have to say. But I, uh, you make all valid points. It's Yeah. I feel like you you seem more slotted into the 25th percentile of their season. And mm-hmm. uh, people have them in the top 15 or maybe in the 80th or 90th percentile. Maybe choose somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they seem like a very highly variable team to me. Like they could be, I guess, as high as a four seed. That still feels like quite high, um, or miss the tournament. I think that it's a, pr- a pretty <laughs> large variance. That's a pretty big range, if it's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my twenty fourth is a fellow Big East team. Big East, by the way, is uh, after having kind of a, a really quite poor year last year. Um, I'm excited that it should be quite good. I have Seton Hall at number twenty four. I'm lower on them than most. Um, I do see them. In a, in a way similar to Providence, not having a huge upside. Uh, they obviously have Miles Powell, who most people have as a first-team All-American. He's certainly a fantastic scorer, um, so he deserves that credit. Kevin Willard, similar to Ed Cooley, has never really had an elite team at Seton Hall, and so I'm a little skeptical that the team that they have now, uh, with Miles Powell, Miles Kale, Quincy McKnight, Sandro, Mamo Kalashvili, um, and then a newcomer, Obiagu, from um, Florida State transfer, 
uh, that this is going to be the team that is like a top 15 team. Some people have them top 15, top 10 even. Um, I, you know, I, I just don't see them being consistent enough to do that, but I do have them slotted in at, uh, at 24. Cedar Hall ranked 20th in Ken Palm. I have them a little bit higher. 13th, mm-hmm. I got a little carried away, I think, but we'll see. Um, I'm going to give you a couple rattle off some, just the next three for me. Davidson, I have a 23rd. Uh, Utah State giving another mid-major some love at 22nd. And I know Rick Barnes lost a lot of guys, but I have Tennessee at a 21. Uh, Davidson and Utah State, all for continuity. I think, I mean, Steph Curry played at Davidson, but this has got to be up there for Bob McKillop's teams and then in his tenure at Davidson. Like, how can you not have a team that was good last year and brings everybody back not in your top 25? So uh, I would go with them there. I think they'll be dangerous. I know, I don't think Ken Palm likes them quite as much as I do. They're 61st in Ken Palm, so their chances of them making a deep run in the tournament, numbers would tell you, are not very good, but I'm still going with them. Uh, and, yeah, those are my uh, Utah State and Tennessee. Those are my next two teams. I feel like uh, they both have a shot to be dangerous. Utah State, 68th in Ken Palm. Tennessee, much higher. Uh, I think Ken mm-hmm. Palm probably likes Rick Barnes' uh, defensive record. He, They are 19th in Ken Palm. Yeah, I, I don't have any of those three teams in mind, um, but I, I do like uh, both Utah State and Davis, and I'm not as high on Tennessee. Utah State, obviously, well, I don't say obviously, they return Sam Merrill and Nini Escueta, who represent one of the best one-two punches in, in all of college basketball, and, and I, I say that without any exaggeration. Merrill's a great scorer, Quaita's a great defender. Craig, uh, Craig Smith in his first season at Utah State was terrific last year. They won a game in the NCAA tournament, and... Um, I thought about putting them in mind, but I ultimately didn't. Uh, Davidson similarly has two very good players, John Axel Goodmanson and Kellen Grady, um, as well as a coach in Bob McKillop knows how to run an offense. They're going to be very good offensively. And then Tennessee, they, sh- they sure did lose a lot from, um, from their team last year. Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and Jordan Bone all drafted um, in the NBA draft. Uh, but they, uh, they bring back... Uh, they, they do have some good players coming in, including a five-star uh, freshman. They have Lamonte Turner, um, and they have Jordan B- Bowden. Um, and so, you know, they have uh, Jez- Josiah Jordan James is the name of, the, uh, of their freshman. Um, he's the fourth highest uh, Tennessee signee ever. So, And with the track record of Rick Barnes, he's missed like two NCAA tournaments in the past like 25 years, it seems. Uh, they certainly could be quite good. My next three teams, and I'll just match you whatever you do. If you want to do three, you want to do one, you want to do 12, we'll just, we can match each other. Yeah. I have St. Mary's at 23, VCU at 22, and Florida State at 21. So we both went with mid-majors at 23 and 22. Uh, you call them token mid-majors, but uh, nonetheless, they're there. St. Mary's, of course, under Randy Bennett, is um, consistently a good program. And then they have Jordan Ford this year, who's one of the best point guards in the country. Uh, I'd say without exaggeration, um, they, sh- I, you know, it doesn't feel like a team that can win national title, but but maybe because of that offense, VC is the exact opposite. They have a, an exceptional defense, um, and you know their their defense uh, is one of the best in the country. I'd say probably top five or ten in the country, um, and and they also have Marcus Evans at point guard, who's one of the best, uh, also one of the best point guards in the country. And then, who's my other team there, I said? Oh, um, Florida State. Leonard Hamilton always has good teams. This team has lost a lot from previous years. 
Um, so I, I think that they'll be a bit worse than, than what we've seen in the recent past. But um, we saw them go to the Sweet 16 last year and really give a, a run to, I think it was Gonzaga. I think it was Gonzaga um, in the Sweet 16 last year, if I recall. Um, that team was quite good. And this team will be good too. Uh, maybe not as good, but uh, with the kind of athleticism and size that they have, probably better than uh, many think. So that's, yeah. my, that's my 21. Yeah, Florida State lost to Gonzaga in last year's regional semifinals. Of course, two years ago, they lost in the Elite Eight in uh, Los Angeles. Um, I have VCU a little bit higher. They were seventh in defensive efficiency last season uh, at the end of the year, which is pretty crazy. <clears throat> of course, then they gave up 73 points in their NCAA tournament loss to UCF. So uh, maybe not the way they want to finish. Um, I have VCU 17th. I did not have St. Mary's or Florida State in there, but we'll see. Uh, my next four, let's just do four. I have VCU at 17th, Auburn at 18th, and Bruce Pearl I trust. Ohio State, uh, I've seen a lot of fluctuation up and down where they're going to finish in the Big Ten. Obviously, no one has a number one. Uh, I feel like Purdue is the consensus second-best team in the Big Ten this year, um, but Ohio State is uh, my 19th team, and then Arizona uh, will be my... 20th team uh, this year as they continue to uh, skate by, um, but playing out west, they, uh, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, they, uh, Sean Miller, he has another, he and Kansas are in the same boat, basically, they have one more year before they get uh, destroyed um, <laughs> and pl- uh, play there, they have Nico Mannion and Josh Green coming in, um, and I think they added a player, Max Hazard, as a transfer, yeah. so... Um, looking okay. UC there. Irvine, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it was a grad transfer. Yes, that's right. So, yeah, I think they have a very good uh, backcourt, and that should play well for Sean Miller. So, yeah, enjoy it while it lasts, Arizona. But I think there will be a top twenty team this season. Um, I also have Arizona exactly at number twenty. Our ah. first match. There we go. Um, ding, ding. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I I think the Nico Mayan is going to be really important for them, obviously. People expect a lot of him, um, and they're not as deep as they thought they would be. They've had some injuries uh, and departures um, recently. Uh, but 19, I have Baylor, the Baylor Bears under Scott Drew. They've also had a recent um, player leave. Um, I think it was Mario Kegler was supposed to be on their team, and then he ended up getting dismissed. He was a transfer um, from, uh, I think... I don't remember where he transferred from, but he's not going to be. Oh, uh, Mississippi State, but he's he like missed most of last season, and now he's missing most of this season, or he'll miss the whole season. But um, with Manu Lecomte, Jake Lindsay, Joe Luau Aqui, if you remember him, um, King McClure, yeah, this is I think will be a deep team. Uh, Bryce Drew figured out how to play a little bit small last year with Makai Mason, who is is gone, um, but uh, but I think that they'll be quite good. So. Uh, and I think I was looking at the wrong year for Baylor. That was a bad job by me. Um, so that was pretty dumb. But um, they have good players. Let's put it that way. Yeah. We don't know who they are. Well, but yeah. <laughs> Tristan Clark is coming back. Sorry. Tristan Clark, yes. Oh, man. Wait, that was wait so dumb. To see. Yeah, Tristan Clark missed uh, like the last 20 games with knee surgery last year. So he is back. Uh, he is the top, you know, top 30, top maybe even better player in the country right now if he's healthy. Uh, they obviously are always good at offensive rebounding under Coach Drew, so uh, that's good for them. Uh, the problem is uh, they play in a tough conference, um, and they're going to have some teams ahead of them, namely Texas Tech and Kansas. 
but uh, I think they're really good. I had Baylor at uh, 16th, so not too far off. Nice. Yeah, so uh, I blame this all on my stupidity and on the Three Man Weave website just listing all the previews in one page. So when I searched for the, the team, it was in the wrong spot. So um, Anyway, so I, I had... Uh, I had Baylor. Never, I saw lots of things. Baylor's good, even if I didn't actually remember their play. Because I, I saw it, it said key losses, and I was like, "Where's Makai Mason? He's not listed on there." And then I was like, "Hmm, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about." Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So I had Purdue 18. Uh, I think lower than most. Um, they lost to Providence in that sh- secret scrimmage yesterday, but no, Jellyson did not play. Uh, they do have Jihad Proctor, the transfer from High Point, Aaron Wheeler, Matt Harms, Travion Williams, and you know, it seems like pretty much every year. Um, Matt Painter knows what he's doing and has a good team. Um, and then I had a number 17 team you talked about already is Texas. Uh, I'm kind of high on them. Yuluki Oklich is now their, one of their assistant coaches, the former Michigan assistant coach who helped turn around their defense. Um, Andrew Jones is actually looking healthy a couple years out from leukemia, which is an amazing story. Um, and I think he'll make their, uh, their backcourt a lot better. They've had some inconsistency from uh, Matt Coleman and Courtney Ramey in recent years, and you already mentioned uh, Will Baker. So I do, I'm pretty high on, on Texas. Cool. So that was your, uh, which one did we leave? Number 17. 17. Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned, uh, so I so I have to go up from 16. So I have Baylor 16, Purdue, you just talked about 15. Then I have Purdue, uh, sorry, Oregon, Seton Hall, and Texas Tech, 14, 13, and 12. So Seton Hall is a really polarizing team this year, I feel like. I feel like some people have them pretty high, some people have them in the middle. Um, Miles Powell is obviously the man. They have four stars coming back. They're really big. Um, I think this is a reason why people should be optimistic about the Big East, because you have Villanova, Providence, and Seton Hall all at the top. All are really dangerous Sweet 16 contenders. Um, so I really like Seton Hall. I think they're dangerous. Uh, I guess the question is, is being too, uh, too tall for this kind of game? Uh, that we saw a lot of teams thrive in last year. Like we saw Auburn play with no front court basically last year and destroy people. So it could be a matchup problem for them down the road. But I do like Seton Hall's experience and they have one of the best players in the country. So I like them. Uh, Oregon is landing late recruits and that's helping them. Um, uh, their defense is always pretty stout. The Pac 12, I guess, is going to be better this year. So uh, we'll see. How that goes? Maybe. The, maybe. Yeah. You never know. It's it's that's, a, that's I guess that's really a believe it when I see it situation, uh, with uh, with the Pac-12 how they're doing. Uh, and then the uh, Oregon gets um, I don't know say his name, uh, Infali Dante, who's a, and they have Peyton Pritchard, um, so they are going to be, uh, force struggling with. They're probably the best team in the Pac-12, which is kind of like being valedictorian of summer school, but uh, nevertheless. Uh, I'm okay with putting them in the middle of the pack. And then Purdue, we talked about. So And Texas Tech, their defense is so good. And last year, they lost everybody except one player, and Chris Beard had them uh, a, a couple deflections away from winning a national title. So I don't care how many people they lose again. I think they'll be good. I think Chris Beard's uh, one of the best coaches in the country. He just got paid for it, so good for him. Uh, Texas Tech is my 12th team in the country. Yeah, some crossover here. Um, at 16, I have Memphis, actually. Um, many people have Memphis quite high. Some people have them quite low. I think Ken Palm has them 50th. Yes. Um, they have a lot of freshmen. They may start five freshmen. Boogie Ellis, D.A. Jeffries, Precious Achua, James Wiseman, who's the consensus number one freshman in the country. Well, consensus, I don't know. I guess, yeah, generally speaking, number one in the country. Lester Quinones. They also have Alex Lomax. 
who uh, originally committed to Wichita State before deciding to go to Memphis last year, and they have Tyler Harris as a sophomore. It's a very young team. Um, I don't think they'll actually be the, what do I have them, the uh, 16th best team in the country. I think they'll probably be much worse than that, uh, like in the 20s maybe. But they do have the talent and upside to be better. I think the one, my, my main point about Memphis this year is, you know, you hear enough about Memphis from Gary Parrish on the uh, CBS High and College Basketball podcast. Um, but I think my point on Memphis is that they have a number one recruiting class. And people say, well, if you have a number one recruiting class, like you see teams all the time, like Kentucky and Duke or even Arizona, like lose their entire team and get a number one recruiting class and then become a Final Four team or a, or a League Eight team or a top 10 team. So why can't Memphis do that? It's bias against uh, kind of a pseudo mid major in the uh, American team that you don't think Memphis can go from being. Uh, mediocre NIT to being a top a national title contender when they bring in the top recruiting class in the country. And my point is that this is not the same kind of top recruiting class in the country that Duke has been bringing in or that Kentucky had brought in in the past. You have the number one player in the country, James Wiseman, who's very good, but he's probably not as good as recent number one players in the country. You have Precious Achua, is around 10, as a, a polarizing player. Some think he's, he's great, some think he's quite... Um, I wouldn't say mediocre, but not nearly the normal number 10 spot. And the other players kind of dot the top 100. It's an amazing recruiting class, uh, especially for a coach in his second year in Division One. Um, but there's a lot left to be desired in terms of it. It's not like you have like like R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, uh, Trey, jo- Trey Jones, and Cam Reddish. It's not like you have... Um, like even Malik Pope and um, De'Aaron Fox, it was all the other guys they had there. Or like Marvin Bragley and Wendell Carter. And um, they had the other guy, Gary Trent Jr. on yeah. that team. These aren't the same levels of number one recruiting classes. Um, it's still a great class, deserving to be number one. But it's not the same as when Kentucky and Duke bring in like three or four of the top 15 players in the country. In a, in a recruiting class that has high talent at the top, which this one really does not. Yeah, I mean, this is a really tough team. Now, I have Memphis higher just because I don't want to get burned by them, and if they win the national title, I'm going to win this because I have them ninth. Um, but uh, maybe. But it's just a really tough team to predict because they have one year of coaching for Hardaway, and you have nine freshmen on the team, I think, officially nine freshmen. You have a whole class. So I'm not surprised that Ken Palm has them 50th, and I'm not surprised that this if, this, if there ever is a team to outperform the Ken Palm uh, ranking, this would be the one to do it. But there's a reason that the numbers are there. The computers are skeptical and that some people are skeptical of them. And it kind of reminds me of Nevada last year where basically everyone just made them a preseason top 10 team. They assumed all these transfers would play well together and they just do great things. They ended up being a totally mediocre team. And I believe did they lose to Florida in the first round or they beat, then they lose them. They lost, the, they, they, lost they lost to Florida. Yeah. So Nevada ended up being, uh, where did they finished last year, 27th in Ken Palm, which is certainly, they went 29 five. They had some bad losses. They didn't play anybody. Um, Memphis's schedule I'd have to look at this year, but we'll see how quickly we find out about them. But I don't know. This is a, this is a tough team to say. I think they could be good, but I also think there's no guarantee. So people who are like saying it's like a foregone conclusion uh, that they're going to be good is uh, are probably going to be missing the boat. They play. What is their not? Their best non-conference game is they play Oregon semi away. They play NC State on Thanksgiving in a neutral. They play tennis, which is probably part of a tournament. Yeah. It's probably the battle for Atlantis something or something. Like it's in Barclays, actually. It's it's a the preseason NIT, oh, I guess. Yeah. And they have Tennessee on the 14th away, and then they go to Wichita State 
who's still down. Um, is that con- that's not con- that's conference by now. So yeah. So yeah. and they're away to South Florida, and they have Cincinnati, Connecticut, and Houston. Those are our toughest. Those are the eight games this year. So really not that tough on a conference schedule. Um, so we're, we'll see what happens with them. They're gonna uh, Ken Palm thinks they're gonna play fast. Uh, no, play very slow. I think. And uh, no, fast. It's red. Isn't red? Is red fast or slow? Yeah, red? number six in the country. So yeah, they're, they're fast. Fast. They're fast. Yeah. And they played very fast, yeah. uh, I believe, last year. So, we'll see. Oh, yeah, they were seventh last year. Yeah, it's weird. There's only one game at Barclays. I, I don't know what that is. It's not maybe a tournament. I thought it was, like, the preseason NIT, but it's just one game. Uh, NC State, Memphis. But that should be a good game, at least. Yeah. Um, so, my, beyond Memphis, I had uh, Oregon at 15. You mentioned Oregon uh, under Dana Altman. That team has had very good NCAA tournament runs, and this team's pretty talented. Um, number 14, I had a team probably lower than most is Maryland. Uh, I think my big question there is around Mar- um, Mark Turgeon, their coach. He hasn't really had a, a very uh, Sweet 16 team, I think, since uh, he was at Texas A&M. Um, I, think if I, I think I had that right. But they obviously have Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan. Uh, 13th, I have a team, I guess probably a team you don't have, is Xavier. Um, that's maybe where, I, that's my providence, I guess, that people have quite high or, or whoever you want to put in that category. Uh, Xavier had a very strong finish to last season, and since I don't think you have them, I'll talk about them for a minute here. I did not have them. Um, they're coached by Travis Steele in his second two, year. I, don't, I didn't have them. <laughs> um and last season, they had a disastrous start to uh, a stretching conference play where they lost six straight games. They looked terrible doing it, but then they finished quite strong. Um, we went to the NCAA tournament and ended up losing to uh, Texas in overtime, the team that ended up winning the NIT that we talked about. And they returned basically everyone in a really strong uh, combo of Najee Marshall and Paul Scruggs on the wing. Quentin Gooden is a veteran point guard, senior point guard, and Tyree Jones is a, is a veteran, a big... Um, and so I, just, I think that they're quite balanced. I mean, if Travis Hill's not a great coach, then they probably they're not going to do much better than 13th if, if they do that well. But I do think that they're one of the best teams in the Big East and um, have actually have the, the talent to make a really deep run in the NCAA tournament. And then number 12, I have Villanova. I'm guessing you have them a couple spots higher. Villanova, yep. um, after losing everyone except for... Um, Phil Booth and Chris Jenkins last year lost Phil Booth and Chris Jenkins this year, um, but they do return Sadiq Bey, Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels is a pretty good one, two, three, along with Demir Cosby Roundtree, and they bring in some really s- strong freshmen, uh, namely um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, the son of Lester Earl, former uh, Kansas good, I wouldn't say great, Kansas, Kansas good, um, and Brian Antoine, who's could be a fantastic player in a first-round pick, but he is uh, recovering from shoulder surgery, and he may not even play at all this season. If he does, it probably won't be till January or February. This is a team that could take some lumps um, in throughout the rest of the um, the non-conference season. It could be worse than expected, and actually hurt the big the Big East if they don't do well in non-conference. But should be quite strong in conference play. Out of conference, they play at Ohio State in the Gavit Games. Um, other than that, they don't really have that much. They they are at home to Kansas, yep. and they do play Connecticut and Temple, but that's not until conference. Like we're into uh, mid January by then. They also have Penn at home and Penn Street pretty solid, uh, but it's not actually a very strong non conference schedule. Although I I think this this tournament on um, 
they play Middle Tennessee State on the, the uh, November twenty first, and I'm guessing that that Middle Tennessee State game is part of a tournament. Uh, yeah, in Conway, South Carolina, and that tournament also is Utah, South Carolina. No, sorry, Utah, Coastal Carolina, Baylor, Ohio, Tulane, and Mississippi State. So Mississippi State and Baylor might be decent competition for Villanova. Um, yeah, so that's uh, going all the way up to the number 12 in the country. What do you got next? Uh, I have 12 is Texas Tech. I talked about them. Uh, 11 is Gonzaga. Mark Few not really uh, endearing himself to me with his comments about the uh, what Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, can do instead of worrying about the likeness uh, law. So he came out and said that. It was a little, little bit out of context, but then Coach K uh, came out and said he was in favor of it, so it was a little bad kind of just a bad juxtaposition I guess you could say for few but his teams are always good they're always in the top uh, 10 or 15 so I'm going to put Gonzaga at 11 basically uh, my stretch here most of them is trust the coach and a couple exceptions so I have uh, Villanova at 10 I trust Jay Wright what's interesting about Villanova is they've kind of been on this two year cycle where they're great good great good and now this in theory would be a great year again kind of like the San Francisco Giants of uh, college basketball. However, um, I'm not quite sure how good they're going to be. They did have a very high-ranked uh, recruiting class this year uh, coming. I think it's in the top five, depending on where you look. But let, we saw last year with Villanova, they had a little trouble integrating the freshmen. Um, so we'll see how Villanova handles it this year. But Jay Wright's a really good coach. And again, the Big East is right there for them if they want it. And then I had Memphis at 9. I, we talked a lot about Memphis. I just don't know what to see, but they have high upside. So this is kind of a... There are a couple of reaches in here uh, for high upside. Uh, Virginia obviously loses a lot of players, but they're still going to be really good defensively and really well coached. They're going to be dangerous for anybody. I don't think they're really in the inner circle this year like I thought they were last year, uh, but I think they'll be good. And then I get to Maryland at number 7. I think they're talented enough, but I am worried about the coach. So really, there's no method to my madness because a lot of times I said trust the coach and then... As I talk about these teams like Maryland, I just wonder if Mark Turgeon's the guy uh, at Maryland to uh, get them through uh, the NCAA tournament uh, this year. They got a lot of good players. They're going to have some good defensive players like Daryl Morsel, but is this really the time? This is really the Maryland team that breaks through. Yeah, well, I, clearly my thought on Maryland is that they're not going to be that good based on where I had them. Um, but uh, yeah, I had them a bit lower. My so my group is all teams we've said already. Um, you had Maryland at seven, and you had Virginia at eight. Um, what's that for number seven? We haven't said that team already yet, so we'll get to them in a second. Um, so I had uh, Ohio State number eleven. Um, I'm very high on Ohio State, mostly because of their coach, Chris Holtman. It's very good coach, um, and then he also returns Caleb Weston, who's one of the best uh, best players in the country. Um, and Andre West and his brother, Luther Muhammad is back, Musa Jallo is back, and then DJ Carton is, ba- is a freshman point guard who's very highly rated. They also have a good backup point guard, CJ Walker, a transfer from Florida State. Uh, it's just a deep team. They should play very good defense. Uh, the, the Big Ten's really full of very good defensive teams, and Ohio State is possible that they're the best of that group. Um, and, and I definitely trust... Um, uh, I definitely trust Chris Holtman to get it done there. It, certainly, I'm on the high side there. But I will say that looking at these teams, I had a tough time filling this out. Like, everyone, like, I didn't feel great about about my top 10 and where I had them or even my top 12 or 13 or 14. But 
uh, you have to you only have so many teams to pick that you can't just like start picking NBA teams or like teams <laughs> no, from can, Europe. Yeah. Europe. Um, number ten, I had Gonzaga that you mentioned. Um, you know the the Zags obviously are uh, just historically excellent team, and we we don't know what we're gonna get from Killian Tilly. Um, he's recovering from another surgery, uh, but if he is healthy and good, they could be very good. Um, they have a whole new backcourt, Admon Gilder, who was part of the Texas A&M team that beat Providence a couple years in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. He sat out last year, and he now was gonna take his fifth year. Um, at Gonzaga, he's a good guard. Ryan Woolridge, the transfer from North Texas, not quite the same backcourt they had last year when they had uh, Josh Perkins and Zach Norvell. So that's definitely a drop off. They also, of course, lost Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark. So that's a lot to lose. But uh, they also bring in Joel Ayayi, who was terrific this summer in um, I, I guess there's under U19 games. I think he played for France, I believe. Uh, Philip Petrosev also very good. Um, Moving on from Gonzaga, I had Virginia number nine. This is a team that, again, is in that trust the coach category. Um, although, uh, well, there's no although, actually. It's just <laughs> Tony Bennett's amazing. And they're, they're, Isn't it uh, nice to be able to national say that champion. now? We don't have to worry about it. No yeah. more caveats on Tony Bennett's career. Well, he's a really good coach, but his teams always do X. No, his team just won the national title. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to say. It's like uh, Bill Self in 2008. He finally got that and monkey Roy, off his Roy back. Roy Williams before he won. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how these yeah, teams I mean, they turn around really fast when they win a single elimination tournament. Yeah, especially when they had to basically have... It was basically two miracles, and then even the final was an incredible shot. They had a, pretty much a miracle to beat uh, Purdue and pretty much a miracle to beat Auburn. Uh, kind of lucky and a miracle. Um, I would say the Purdue game was definitely a miracle. Auburn, they were fortunate, mm-hmm. and they were also fortunate in the championship game due to the replay yeah. review and some other stuff. So this team is bringing in um, uh, Casey Morsel, and then there's this guy named Tomas Waldetense, who some people think is going to be quite good. Um, but they also have Braxton Key, Mabadi Jakite, Jay Huff, Kihei Clark. Uh, none of these guys averaged more than 7.5 points a game last year. Obviously, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy and Deandre after guys that we've all gotten used to are gone. Um and Casey Morsel is, uh, I think, I think you mentioned him. He's a he's a freshman, and I I don't know. Like it doesn't feel like a team we should rank ninth in the country. But I look at my number five team. We haven't gotten to yet. I'm like, how do you rate that team number five in the country? But we're not there yet. So I'll, number eight is Texas Tech. You talked about Chris Beard. He's good at coaching, um, and he's really good at defense. Uh, there's no reason why this team shouldn't be a great defensive team again. Um, and even though they don't return that much, as you mentioned, they return more than they did last year. They have Davide Moretti back, Kyler Edwards, who was a, had a very good championship game. Chris Clark's a transfer from Virginia Tech um, that sat out last season for a marijuana issue. Jamius Ramsey is uh, one of the top-rated freshmen that has ever come to Texas Tech. And then you trust um, Chris Beard to figure out the rest. Uh, and then number seven, I have Duke, actually. Mm. Um, most people have him in the top four. I'm a little bit skeptical of Duke this year. Um, I was actually a little bit higher on Duke, not higher than most people because people had him number one in the country last year, but I was optimistic about Duke's mix of players last year. Uh, entering the season didn't turn out that well. Uh, the, the sum of the parts was less than, no, the whole was less than some of the parts. Um, and this year, maybe there's not as many uh, people who need to be fed the ball, and so maybe that's a good thing. Trey Jones is back, and he's certainly a great defender and a good uh, ball mover on offense. 
not a good shooter, and then they have a bunch of freshmen again. And, and these guys are not as good as the last two sets of freshmen, but Matthew Hurt looks good. Vernon Carey is a big, a big guy inside who can do a lot of things. Um, and then they do return some veteran players that you've heard of, like Javin Delorier, Alex O'Connell, and Jack White. Um, as well as, I mean, some guys, like Joey Baker was a pretty highly touted recruit who reclassified to, um, to 2019 last year but barely played. He probably would have been a top 15, top 20 recruit this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I put Duke 7. I just think that this team is clearly worse in the last couple of years, and, and I don't see a good reason to put them higher. But I know, I know that almost everyone does. Maybe you have them next. Uh, Duke is kind of an interesting case. I have them. Where did I put them? Did I leave them out by accident? That might have happened. Uh, I'm going to have to kick Texas out of my top 25. Because uh, I think <laughs> they're supposed to be staying. Just stick with it. Do you, Duke, Duke, Duke is not top thing. Just stick Trey with Jones it. Trey Jones sucks. <laughs> the team is terrible. <laughs> Coach stick with is abroad. It. How can you not get a top 10 recruit? They have four first I thought I was low on Duke. Man. This is terrible. No, no. Duke is going to slot in here. Um, I was wondering why this was so hard. Because <laughs> I had to pick a 26 team in my head. It was agonizing. <laughs> no, no. Duke is. Yeah. Trey Jones is the key for this team. Uh, the. the, the to say this class is worse than their last two like one and done classes is not really saying like oh they're bad. It just says they're not gonna have like multiple lottery picks. Like look what can, look what Duke had go in the first round last year with Reddish, Barrett, and Zion. It's insane. So now I still have Trey Jones who's coming back who was very good uh, last year. He's good defensively. I think if he stays healthy, remember he missed part of the time last year. I think that was an underrated story uh, for the uh, team. Uh, so I think Duke is. Uh, going to be very good. The ACC is a challenge, and I have Louisville ahead of them. That's just because I think Louisville has some better experienced talent. But I think that Duke will be obviously fine. Uh, I don't think really that. Um, uh, yeah, just yeah. It's, again, they're never that bad. It's crazy to think how long it's been since they've won the ACC regular season. But they're always dangerous, and they are definitely a threat to make a deep run in the tournament, especially with there's really. Not that many teams that are definitely better than Duke. Um, so that's where I'll leave them. So we put them at sixth. Uh, sorry, put them at. S- I guess we'll slide. Yeah, we put them at sixth. No, we put them at seventh. Louisville's sixth. Jordan Nwora is going to be a very good player uh, in the ACC. Remember, Louisville, of course, lost the game to Duke last year when they blew that big lead. Um, they have um, getting Lamar Kimball in from St. Joseph's. So he's a redshirt senior now. He averaged 15 points uh, last year. Uh, so he's going to be very good. They bring in a good freshman who's going to start Samuel Williamson. Uh, I like Louisville. Uh, Chris Mack um, has his moments, and I think they'll be good. Uh, they're an interesting team. I think they're a dangerous team. They did not finish the season well last year, uh, losing to Minnesota in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They lost, let's see here, after February 2nd, they were seven losses. They were 16-5, uh, and five, and they finished 19 and. 12. So not a great finish to the season, but hopefully for their sake they can uh, turn it around. They were at one point 16 and 5, 7 and 1, and then they finished 10 and 8 in the conference. So yeah, Louisville. And their defense is supposed to be better this year than it was last year when it was very good. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, my, my number six team is Florida. Well, I assume you have higher, but I don't want to assume that since Florida's you, you didn't have, have Duke higher. Yeah. 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 So we can talk about Florida here. You're, you're fifth and my sixth. Um, again, I think I'd have this team higher, maybe even one, two, or three, if not for 
um, the coach. You know, Mike White's not a bad coach. I don't want to accuse him of being a bad coach, but he really has not put it together at Florida in his time there, despite having a lot of talent. Um, you know, talent, I would say, comparable to a lot of what Billy Donovan had, and he's gotten worse results. Um, this is his now fifth year, and in the he had the number five team in the country, in 2017, they just got a four seed though, and they go. They went to the Elite Eight. That was his. That was year they they played Wisconsin, right? In the yeah, in the Elite Eight. Man, Ken Palm is killing me. Those, well, I gotta say, it's, it's to, trying to do. To tweet at him after this show. Yeah. Um, in 2018, they were 22nd in the country in a six seed. In 2019, they were 26th in the country in a ten seed. Um, so, are they really going to be a top five, like a legit top five team? Um, Barry Brackshire, is that good? Yeah, I mean, I, I have them, what, six? So clearly I think that they are very close to being a legit top five team. And it's not even, like, I, I could make the argument that they, maybe this is ridiculous, but I can make the argument that they're the most talented team in the country, honestly. Um, because if you look at it, not only do they have um, uh, Kerry Blackshear Jr., the transfer from um, Virginia Tech, who's a fifth-year uh, grad transfer, they also have Andrew Nemhard, a McDonald's All-American at guard, and Noah Locke, who was also a, tr- um, a terrific freshman last year. Keontae Johnson, who rounds out that three-man freshman class from last year. They're all sophomores. Scotty Lewis is one of the best freshmen in the country this year. Off the bench, they have Trey Mann, who many some think could even be a first-round pick. Um, you know, or and if not, he should be like a pretty close player off the bench. You know, their top six is as good as any team in the country, and maybe better. Um, will it come together is the question. And, I mean, being six is, is not bad, but I think if you had if this team is coached by Roy Williams or this team coached by Bill Self or this team is coached by Tom Izzo, I, I probably would have them higher than, than fifth. Well, you, but six, right? You can definitely make the case they've underachieved the last several years. So I would not um, uh, I would not be too confident in them. I, I think Mike White – overmatched is a strong word, but they're, like, they're really good coaches in the SEC. And – Mm-hmm. That's a tough conference. If you look at their um, Ken Palm projected record, they're projected to go 11 and 7 in conference. Now, they may have a particularly difficult SEC schedule. Do they play Kentucky twice? Nope. No, they do play him. They play him twice after February 22nd. So, uh, it's probably a challenging schedule. But still, is that really? Uh, it's an interesting thing. One thing I know about Florida is they do not. They did not last year play an attractive brand of college basketball. So hopefully, uh, look get the tempo a little bit higher this year, and they're be a little more efficient, though. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Florida's an interesting case because I feel like they could be really good, but also just yeah, they they don't really have that much margin for error in the way they play. Or at least they didn't last year. Um, I felt like last year we spent most of the time wondering how why they were playing so poorly because I feel like we were both high on them last year entering the year, and they got up to some yeah. J- yeah. yeah. Jalen Hudson was terrible yeah. as a senior. Kevon Allen also had kind of a bad senior year, um, and so. I think that they were just kind of surprised by that. They, you know, yeah. they. It was it was pretty uh like like you look at the last uh, uh, even down the stretch they you know they couldn't um, Kevon Allen was like in it. he was playing a lot but not playing well. Jalen Hudson got like I feel like he got benched. Jalen Hudson was so bad check, for most of the year last year. Let me check this out. I I can't check it out because I keep being logged out of Ken Palm. But um, you gotta check to remember me. Yeah. then it works. <laughs> yeah. I yeah yeah whoops that's 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 the that's the part I forgot I've, all these years I've been checking and remember me um, yeah there was especially the season where Hudson was not even playing he played six minutes in a game against West Virginia seven minutes in a game against uh, Stanford 
then he played a lot on the, on the stretch and actually was pretty good in some games. But like his last game of the year, he went four for fifteen, um, which is it's not good. No. So anyway, they're both gone. They have three really good sophomores. They have a really good grad uh, transfer, and they have uh, two really good freshmen, and uh, that's makes for hope what should be a really good team. Number five, I had uh, North Carolina. It feels weird to put North Carolina five, not because they're like pretty much always in the top five, but because if you look at their team last year, they pretty much lost everyone. Kobe White is gone to the NBA draft. Nazir Little is gone to the NBA draft. Luke May is gone. Cameron Johnson also got drafted much higher than expected. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Williams is gone. Like the only. A uh, guy of their top six players in terms of minutes that's back is Garrison Brooks, who was kind of I wouldn't say he was good. He was he was, but he's not a high usage player. Um, and so it, it feels a bit strange to put them this high, but they do have a really good recruiting class. Um, and I mean, obviously led by Cole Anthony, who's uh, the son of Greg Anthony, um, and one of the best uh, lead guards in the country, if not the best. Um, he wasn't he picked as the number one overall recruit, but he might be the best recruit in the country. Um, they also have a Armando Baycott, the 6'10", big, to go along with Garrison Brooks. They have Leaky Black now, who will probably start in, at three. Christian Keeling averaged 19 points a game at Charleston Southern. And Justin Pierce averaged 15 points a game at William & Mary. It's a bit weird to be like, oh, you have two freshmen, two transfers from like low, not even mid-majors, like low-level conferences, a guy that hardly played last year, and a low-usage guy, and that's the number five team in the country. And to that, I say... Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't know what to tell you, but they're number five for me. Yeah, they're. It's tough to pick against them. It's un, uncharacteristic for Roy Williams to lose so many players in one year because he usually is a good balance. So you know, there's always some star coming back because um, he doesn't really play the one and done game the way some of his other uh, competitors do. But this is going to be a challenge for him. But he does have a very good player in Anthony, and they're very good. They've been a number one seed eight of the sixteen years Roy Williams has been the coach. You think about that. Half the years. Now, of course, they've missed the NCAA tournament one of those years, but still. Eight of 16 years, they've been a number one seed. So the idea that they're not going to be in the number one seed conversation, to me, no matter how much turnover they have, just seems unlikely. So I like North Carolina. They actually had a number three um, out of my number four team. Mm. 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 Who's, who's your number, who's your number my four number team? My number four team is the Kansas Jayhawks. I know they're the AP number two. Ken Palm has a number 10. I'm basically splitting the difference. I do not think that this team... Uh, la- which uh, last year really struggled and had really had some flaws, was over-reliant on Diedrich Lawson down low, which is really not the way you want to play college basketball games uh, this season, uh, this, in this uh, environment. Uh, they And they had bad three-point shooting, uh, and they were really exposed by like the type of team they have tried to be in the last few years in Auburn, which was, Auburn was a much more aggressive, but they were a really outside shooting team, running gun, guard play, and we'll see if... Uh, Bill Self can get back to that, but the problem is, who are like two is the players he relies on the most are Silvia D'Souza and Udoka Azubuke, and those two players are going to have to play with each other. And I'm not quite so sure <coughs> that's the style Kansas wants to play. I know Bill Self for years and years and years uh, was fine playing it down low with the likes of Jeff, Jeff Withy, relying on Thomas Robinson down low, but this is a different game, and he really adapted well. The team that went to the Final Four two years ago, which is uh, four out, was very exciting to watch and now he's kind of, the team's kind of regressed based on just necessity. I'm not saying Bill Self uh, made a poor choice to go that way but it's kind of regressed last year and I'm not sure this team, as talented as it is with Devon Dotson and 
Ochai Obaji, who was really a wild card uh, sophomore. He was going to redshirt last year until uh, the injuries happened. Um, so those that rounds out the starting five. They also have Isaiah Moss and Iowa transfer. They have some good talent coming in, but as we saw last year, there's no guarantee uh, that the likes of Isaac McBride, Tristan Anaruna uh, will be uh, good players for them right away. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I think it's going to be tricky with D'Souza and Azubuke on the court at the same time. And, of course, Azubuke, who's the preseason Big 12 player of the year, amazing talent, never stays healthy. So are we? is Kansas really going to rely on him uh, for a full season, which he has not really given them? And now he's a senior. And he's also an uh, offensive liability because there's that hackadoke strategy, so which could affect Kansas down the stretch. So obviously Kansas is really talented. They have a really good coach. Um they are playing in really two years worth in one because they're probably going to be banned from the postseason next year. But I'm just not quite sold on this, and I think they're a little high at number two in the country. Um, so that's why I put them at number four, uh, as much as it pains me to put North Carolina ahead of them. <clears throat> well, I have um, Louisville four and Kansas three. Sounds like we have the same top two teams unless, I don't know, maybe you snuck in Oklahoma State or something oh, yeah. or like Columbia and you're a top no. two. Um, <laughs> Didn't forget my so, too. <laughs> so Louisville's a team, I, I don't have a great feel for them. They have a lot of guys returning. They don't have a lot of big names, but they have a really good coach. Um, they also have Samuel Williamson, who's, who's a, a really good recruit. Um, Lamar Kimball, I'm not all that high on, but, you know, they have a really good center combo with Malik Williams and Stephen Enoch. They have Jordan War, you mentioned. Um, they're very deep, and they should be very well coached. It, it, it does feel a little bit premature sometimes when I put like I don't know how to put it put higher. Like I guess I could put North Carolina or Florida or Duke higher, um, but I'm putting Louisville at four. I have Kansas at three. Another team that I, if you had told me last year, so Kansas was what like a four seed last year? Yeah. Is that right? They were four seed. They lost Diedrich Lawson, Quentin Grimes, and Gerald Vick. I know he Vick, like left the team like with many games to go this season, um, and they basically return. Like I, I don't know. I, I just this team is weird to me. Like Devin Dotson, Isaiah Moss, Oche Abaji, Sylvia D'Souza, Udoka Zbuki, Marcus Garrett, and then some freshmen who are good. Maybe. Like, I, yeah. Like I, I, it's weird. But Bill Self's a good coach, and last year was one of his worst teams ever. Uh, not even joking in terms of like seeds at least. Like when was the last time it was the worst seed as a Kansas coach, I believe, four seed. Yeah. I think they were a three seed the year they lost to Bradley, but it, I think it was their worst their worst seed ever. Their previous oh. worst was two thousand six and two thousand four. Bill Self had six okay. seeds. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um two thousand four they went to the Elite Eight and lost to Georgia Tech. Don't have to bring that up. Uh two thousand six they lost to Bradley. Yes. I think you just mentioned that. Um yeah, so that that's my number three team, and I don't feel good about three through whatever. Like three through, name the number. I don't feel that good about. One hundred two. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel great about uh, Princeton at one hundred three. Man, they're like one of the best one hundred third ranked teams in the country. I gotta say. Um, yeah, that, that's a joke for everyone out there. Um, they're they're good, but I don't I don't have I don't I don't rank that low. Um, they're actually one eightieth in Ken Palm. Wow, wow. Whoa. What. What an insult after they finished a 175th last year, losing their last four games of the season. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Princeton, I'm not going to stand for that. I'm sorry, Ken Pomeroy. They are insulted by being ranked 180th. 
Um, I just logged in again. That's okay. Yeah, you got another another penny. <laughs> maybe maybe like it, every time you log into Kenpom, it's like a penny to like UNICEF or like, we're gonna feel like save jerks, the children though, like, or something. You know, like, first of all, <laughs> we're gonna feel like jerks, but then we're gonna realize that we donate the equivalent of like twenty bucks each during this podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's the only way this podcast makes money is by us uh, donating to charities by having bad user experiences on KenPomeroy.com or KenPom.com. Okay, anyway, the top two, we know the two teams. The question is, what order are they in? Um, so tell me, what order do you have Kentucky and Michigan State? I have Michigan State number one, and I have Kentucky number two. Brendan, tell me, what order okay. do you have them in? I have them in the, in the reverse wow. order. I have Kentucky number one and Michigan State number two. So tell me on Kentucky, on Michigan State over Kentucky, and then I'll, I'll try to do the reverse. Uh, well, I think Michigan State was very close to the best team in the country last year when they lost in the national semifinals uh they lost three players nick ward kenny goins matt mcquay but they bring back cassius winston josh langford aaron henry xavier tillman now obviously langford is out until january i believe it is with a foot injury uh, but they're very talented uh this is could be the year that Izzo uh finally gets back to the top of the sport um they have a lot of experience and they have a very good coach uh, and they are playing in a tough league that they will probably win and they looked very good for most of last year, and I think this team is just basically the same team but better. So that's why I put them number one. Kentucky obviously is always very talented, but they have some more question marks, and I think that's probably why um, uh, I picked Michigan State over them. I don't really feel super confident that Kentucky would. I, I don't. I'm, I'm, of course, Kentucky could be better, but they lost P.J. Washington, Reed Travis, Tyler Harrell played a big role for them, um, but they bring back some good players and obviously Hagens who struggled down the stretch in the tournament last year um, quickly EJ Montgomery so they obviously have some experience plus they bring in two great freshmen and Tyrese Maxey and Khalil Whitney so uh, yeah I just think Michigan State has more experience and I don't know I think Calipari actually actually is underrated as a coach as far as like in-game stuff and adjustments and how he manages things so I wouldn't say they have a huge edge there in Michigan State but I like um I like the, the Spartans to uh, be the best team in the country this year. Okay, yeah, I think, so, so as you mentioned, Josh Lickford's out until January. Um, without him, looks like probably Rocket Watts, great name, freshman, will be going in at the two-guard spot. Um, they also have Foster Lawyer, who'll probably be the, uh, the third guard. Um, they, they're not great at the four. Obviously, in the previous years, they had Nick Ward and Xavier Tillman together, and um, oftentimes that would lead to some iffy uh, pick and roll defense by the big especially nick ward now without that they're maybe a little more versatile on those high screen roles many people have aaron henry's one of the breakout candidates in the sport um he had some good games last year but ultimately only every six points a game uh cassius winston's the best player in college basketball almost unanimously and i think that's probably correct uh i think if someone is better than him this year it'll probably be someone it won't be so kind of unanimously on the first team are Cassius Winston and then a couple other veteran guards, Marcus Howard from Marquette, and we've already discussed um, Miles Powell from Seton Hall. I don't think if the best player of the country is not Cassius Winston, it's going to be Marcus Howard or Miles Powell. I think it's going to be some freshman like Cole Anthony or um, or uh, someone else. It could, it, it could be James Wiseman. It could be uh, anyone else. But uh, So I think they, when you start with the best player in the country who's a great offensive player, a great offensive player, um, then you have a good head start. My reasons for Kentucky is I think they'll have a great defense with uh, Ashton Hagens leading the way. 
and I am in love with Tyrese Maxey. I think he's going to be one of the best freshmen in the country and uh, better than most people think, and he'll be able to handle the offense at the guard spot and how to handle the defense at the guard spot. Uh, they actually do not have a lot of depth, big big depth. Nick Richards also uh, twisted his ankle in their um, uh, not-secret scrimmage, a regular exhibition yesterday. There's some concern about that. E.J. Montgomery... Um, was disappointment last year after being a five-star recruit. They bring in Nate Sestina, who's the transfer from Bucknell. Um, and then you mentioned Khalil Whitney, who'll probably start the three. Um, I was probably too high in Kentucky last year, although they ended up being favored in the Elite Eight game. They ultimately lost at Auburn, so they turned it around by the end. Obviously, they had that terrible start to the season in when they got embarrassed by uh, Duke, and they ended up basically getting eliminated by Duke at the same spot in the, uh, in the schedule in the Elite Eight, um, and so they teams have very similar seasons. Kentucky lost in overtime by six to Auburn, and then a couple hours later, Duke lost by, I think, two points to uh, to Michigan State, um, as those are the last two teams to make the, uh, the NCAA tournament. And they will play each other. Oh, sorry, our top two will play each other, Kentucky-Michigan State at 9.30 on the first night of the season. So will we learn that much from it? I'm not sure, but, um, but it's certainly fun to have our top two and – uh, it's not consensus top two because many have Duke or Kansas number two, um, or Louisville even. Um, but those are they're going to play in the first night of the season. Yeah, I mean Kentucky. To your point, since uh, 2015, they had the first ranked defense in the country. Then 2016, 39th, then seventh, 22nd, eighth, and they're projected to be the best defensive team in the country this year by Ken Palm. So he likes their defense. Um, so I would not be surprised at all if they. Uh, turn around i guess it's a question on how well those freshmen play versus the experienced players from michigan state of course with this mysterious injury for langford not a mysterious injury but this injury for langford like there's no guarantee he's back at all i guess i mean they say till january but one setback then we're pushing february and march and who knows what happens so he makes these injuries make uh i would think would make michigan state fans nervous uh as far as uh langford's health so we'll see mm-hmm well, we've given you our top 25. Let's just take a couple minutes to walk through the other conferences or all the conferences quickly yeah. before we say goodbye. Um, one thing I want to know about the conferences, uh, which I think is something that Kempom does quite well, is seeing the general relative strength of the conferences. And you can see that it's actually quite close. The top five conferences are, are t- very tightly bunched. He has the Big 12 first, Big East second, Big 10 third, ACC fourth, and then there's somewhat of a drop-off to the SEC, but it's still quite close. Then a huge drop-off to the Pac-12 and WAC, another drop-off to the West Coast Conference and the Atlantic 10 and the Mountain West Conference. Those are your top 10 conferences this year, probably. But it's as tightly bunched at the top as I've, I've seen it. Um, let's take, like, rapid fire, maybe a minute per conference. Big 12, we talked about Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Texas. Um, anything else you think you see out of the Big 12 this year? Uh, I think that TCU was disappointing last year. West Virginia was one of the most disappointing teams in the country last year. What's crazy about this conference is Kansas is 10th, and the worst team, according to Ken Palm, is West Virginia at 59th. So there, there are mm-hmm. 10 teams within a 49-team stretch. There's really no bad team in the conference. This conference tends to eat its own in the sense that like the champion could have four losses, five losses in league, even though it's just a 10-team double-round robin. Um but I think that the winner of this league really should deserve a number one seed. Um, I don't know which team. I guess Kansas State would be my pick to be a surprising team out of the 
the bottom of it just because Bruce Weber seems to always have a dangerous team. But the the winner of this league is actually projected. Kansas and Baylor projected to tie for first at 11-7 and seven to win the league. So that just shows you how tough uh, Ken Palm thinks it is. Yeah, they, the league has gotten seven teams in 2015, seven teams in 2016, um, and then seven teams again in 2018. It looks like a kind of conversation to get seven teams again this year. Um, Washington should bounce back. K-State might be down. Tyrese Halliburton had a great U- U-19 performance um, with the All-American team out of Iowa State. TCU lost a lot, but it still has Desmond Bain. Oklahoma State, people think, might be a little bit better this year, and, and it's also always hard to bet against Oklahoma. Uh, Long Kruger makes a tournament pretty much every season, but uh, but two at Oklahoma. The second best conference, the Big East, obviously was probably spent a lot of time talking about the, that conference this year, as well as the Big 12. Um, I'll I'll take the first crack here. I th- I think very similar to the Big 12, there's not a clear top 10 team. Well, I think Kansas is a pretty clear top 10 team, but there's not an obvious national title contender in the Big East. Villanova, Xavier, Marquette, Seton Hall, Providence, and I really like Creighton. I almost ranked them in my top 25. They should have an excellent offense, although they are a little bit thinner because Martin Crample left early to go pro, and then Jacob Epperson, who was going to replace him as a minute at center, also left. So I think that's a team to watch. Marquette, I think, will be better than expected, even though they lost both Hauser brothers. This should be a very strong defensive team, and they had Kobe McHugh in the transfer from Utah State. Obviously, Marcus Howard is still there, and he's going to be one of the best uh, scorers in the country. Uh, I'm a little bit lower than, on Georgetown than most, although they should compete for an NCAA tournament spot behind the backcourt of James Akinjo and Max McClung, and they also bring in transfer Omar Yurtsevin to, uh, from the NC State to replace Jesse Govan. Any other thoughts in the Big East? I think we can we all on? agree DePaul and St. John's are the two worst teams, but if I told you uh, Butler, Marquette, or uh, I guess you wouldn't be surprised by Providence, but Butler, let's say Butler Marquette finished second in the league, would you be that surprised or tied for second? I would not be surprised at Marquette. I would be somewhat surprised at Butler, but um, like I think what you have is like basically one through eight. It's like a sliding scale, and like one could finish like one through six, and two could finish like two through seven, and three could finish three through eight. And I think Butler's like maybe eight. So I don't know if they could finish two, but they could probably finish. I wouldn't be surprised if they finished third or okay. fourth. The Big Ten, the next best conference, was a very deep league last year. Um, Last year, the Big Ten finished the second-best conference, which was in their, one of their highest rankings in a while. They hadn't finished in the top two since 2014, and it does look to be just about as good this year. Uh, you talk about Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State. We talk about Maryland. Uh, Michigan has a new coach in Jawan Howard, obviously. Um, Illinois is a team people really like, uh, bringing back Ayu Desumu and uh, Keith Frazier. Make sure I have his name right. Yeah, uh, Trent Frazier, not Keith Frazier. Keith Frazier... Baseball player, right? Uh, is he? Who is Who Keith Frazier? Who is Keith Frazier? We didn't have, if we didn't have the uh, secret... Oh, he former UTEP player, of course. How could I have forgotten Keith Frazier? Or a musician. There's a musician named Keith Frazier, who's one of the founding members of the Rebirth Brass Band. I don't think I met either of those guys. Um, Trent Frazier, and a friend of the podcast, Georgie... Um, let me get his name <laughs> he's right. He's such a good friend. Good old, good old Georgie Beznash, Beznanishvili. Beznan, Bez, anyway, Georgie, he's back at Illinois. They're gonna play fast. They're gonna play fun. You gotta like um, Brad Underwood. What else do you see in the Big Remember Ten this Northwestern year? Northwestern made the tournament and it was really cool, and now they stink again. Sorry. Yeah. So Northwestern last year went four and sixteen in conference and lost by far their two best players. It's not a good sign. Um, they do have a very young team and they have more um, four stars than they have than they used to have. 
uh, Miller Cop, um, Pete Nance. What's up? <sighs> Other players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a this is a league that has its like share like really looking to disappointing teams. We talk about Northwestern. That's one thing because they've historically stunk. But Indiana, for another team here, this team was you know flying high last year. Uh, they beat Butler in Indiana in December, and since then they've been pretty terrible. They missed the tournament last year. They're probably gonna miss the tournament again this year. Um, we all know how much Indiana loved the Archie Miller hire, but really is not gone uh, to plan here. And they're like you know they're you, you could argue they're like separate. They're like a notch below the Illinois, Wisconsin's of the world. And that really is not good for Indiana where they ran Tom Crean out of town, everyone in Indiana hated the Tom Crean tenure, and Indiana is just, it's a little, I would say, if you're an Indiana basketball fan, you got to be really disappointed with how the last couple of years have gone out. Shout out to Northwestern's uh, Boo Booey, who's a freshman guard on their team. Also, Robbie Barron's one of the top-rated recruits in, in Northwestern history, and then, of course, the LeBron James of lacrosse, Pat Spencer, actually has played well uh, leading up to the season, uh, so I, I didn't want to I would be remiss if I didn't mention the LeBron James of lacrosse. Of course. Um, Penn State's peop- – yeah. Sorry, sorry said, go. Of course. You would be remiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Indiana, um, you mentioned a little disappointing, but they do have Trace Jackson Davis who anchor the middle. That's the team that loses Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan. Um, a couple other teams to look out for. Penn State, some people have them quite high, some people have them quite low. Uh, they have disappointed typically under Pat Chambers who might be on the hot seat. Minnesota, um, some people like them, but they're without uh, Eric Curry, who's uh, out for the year with another knee injury. And Iowa is without um, Jordan Bohannon, who's probably going to miss the entire season after surgery as well. Wisconsin lost Ethan Happ. So it's a, it's a, it sounds like we're being pretty negative about the Big Ten, but it's still a pretty very deep conference. It's just a lot of the teams in the middle um, are like brand names that haven't been quite as good as in the past. The ACC, the fourth best conference, is it possible? At the top, they're very good. We talked about Louisville, Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, and also Florida State. Who else sticks out among the, the remaining nine teams in the ACC? Uh, not Georgia Tech. Uh, on, on probation. probation. Uh, Notre Dame is kind of... They're, Notre Dame's a few years removed from uh, almost winning the ACC tournament against Duke. The year before that, I believe, they... No, two years before that, they almost took out undefeated Kentucky in the regional final in the NCAA tournament. They've kind of been a little disappointing uh, the last two years. Syracuse, coached by Hall of Famer, they've kind of slipped. Uh, Pittsburgh has been basically burned to the ground. Uh, really, this is a very... So I guess the Notre Dame, Florida State, they're in like the middle where they could challenge these teams. I'm interested to see what they do. Um, I guess I'm interested to see if one of these top teams that are real... I think, what are they, two of the... Of the top six teams in Kempom or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. like, which, if any one of those slips up, which one would be most likely to slip up? Um, I guess Louisville. I don't know. Um, so it's a very top heavy league with a lot of really good teams that could beat up on each other and then some really bad teams. Like, I really don't, I really don't want to watch that many teams from like Duke, Carolina, Louisville playing the likes of Pittsburgh, Clemson, Wake, Boston College. And Virginia Tech uh, obviously loses Buzz Williams. That is going to be a tough, uh, tough rebuild for their, them. Uh, they were very good last year. Remember, they came within a tipping of, I think, tying the game against Duke in the Sweet 16. Mm, the Sweet so, 16. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're uh, projected yeah. toward the bottom of this league. So that's a, it's a rough tumble for them. 
Yeah, NC State under Kevin Keats, um, they have a, a, a deep team. They bring in Pat Andre from Lehigh as a grad transfer, and they return Markel Johnson, one of the best point guards in the country, with Braxton Beverly, Devin Daniels, C.J. Bryce, D.J. Funderburg. It's, uh, they really do have a lot of depth, um, and so I think that they'll be interesting. They, they're a team that started out really well last year. It gets a really weak schedule, and ultimately didn't even make the NCAA tournament because of how weak the schedule was. Um, let's, let's give their schedule a peek and see if they learned any lessons um, from, uh, let's see if I have to log in. No login so far. Okay, one step. Search for North Carolina State. Okay, search for NC State. Yeah, uh, where are they? Oh, I think it's N period, C period state. They changed their name in Ken Palm. We got N period, C period state. And um, they start the year with a Georgia Tech at home, of course, a conference game. Um, they do play Memphis on a neutral. We discussed that game already on Thanksgiving. They're at home to Wisconsin, the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And they're at Auburn on December 19th. So they do have a few decent games. They also play Antoine Davis and Detroit in, on November 10th. Antoine Davis, son of Mike Davis at Detroit, uh, who might lead the country in scoring this year. Let's move on from the ACC to the fifth best conference, uh, one that has a lot of good coaches, and that's the SEC. We've discussed Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, LSU. Uh, anything else you want to discuss out of the SEC? Uh... I guess Alabama has a new coach uh, after their season last year. It's going to be um, an interesting uh, thing. I guess the Mississippi and Mississippi State uh, battle, Kermit Davis and Ben Howland, they were supposed to be pretty good last year, and both of them were okay. Uh, can either of them make uh, the leap? And you know, we talked again about Tennessee, uh, what Rick Barnes has to do. I guess which of LSU, Alabama, Mississippi – Tennessee, could you see possibly joining the title race in, uh, in Kentucky and Florida, or none of the above? LSU yeah, I, I like Brian Tyree in Mississippi. I think that you know Kermit Davis is a really good coach. He had a really good first year. Kyra Lewis uh, at Alabama is um, he was one of the youngest players in the country last year, and, and this year he's not one of the youngest, but he's one of the youngest sophomores. He they also have Beetle Bolden, the transfer from West Virginia, John Petty, Herb Jones. And they still have Javon Quinterly from Villanova. I, he's not technically eligible yet, but uh, he could become eligible. And they're under Nate Oates, so that should be an interesting team. Mississippi State lost a lot, especially on the perimeter. Quindary Weatherspoon and uh, Lamar Peters. But they did bring back uh, Nick Weatherspoon and Reggie Perry. That's um, a very big physical team in a conference that isn't really that big and physical, so we'll see if they can kind of wreak havoc on, on the boards. Um, and you did you have Auburn in your top twenty five? Uh, did they make it? Uh, I did. I had them eighteenth. Yeah. Well, so, I think Auburn's interesting with Samir Dowdy back. Plus Isaac Okoro might be one of the best freshmen in the league. Uh, so that's my take on the SEC. Let's quickly go through the next couple conferences, and then we're about ready to call it a day. The Pac twelve. We mentioned Arizona and Oregon. Uh, Colorado and USC are also interesting, as well as Washington. Washington has two of the best freshmen in the country. Uh, and Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels. Um, and Mike Hopkins in that zone, you know, if it all comes together, plus they have Quade Green, a transfer. They're very intriguing, but uh, didn't make either of our top 25s, and they're 52nd in Ken Palm. USC always eminently talented, uh, but another, hasn't really put together uh, under Andy Enfield. And Colorado's a team that is in the mix there with Tad Boyle. McKinley Wright is one of the best uh, uh, players in the Pac-12. Um, and so we'll see if he can put it together. He has injured a lot last year, um, and he should be healthy this year. 
Yeah, uh, how we got to talk Kyle Smith on the Pac-12. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, they have Dennis Rodman's son on the team. Um, They also returned C.J. Ellaby, who's one of the best returning players in the conference. They lost Robert Franks. It's really between, you know, you had two embarrassing programs last year in Cal and Washington State, and they both replaced their coaches with very competent coaches. Kyle Smith, really an up-and-comer, gone from Columbia to USF to Washington State in a few years, and Cal now has as their coach – Mark Fox, the former uh, Nevada and Georgia coach, who's de- who's at least competent and should be able to to make those two teams better. So just getting the the bottom of the league better should improve the whole conference. Although UCLA is ranked 107 by Ken Palm, that's a that's a number that sticks out there for you. Arizona State has been pretty good in recent years; they're 89th. So a couple of so while some of the schools are getting better um, from the bottom, and we're seeing Washington kind of solidify itself near the top, uh, along with Colorado, Oregon, Arizona, you know, UCLA is still a team that's not living up to its potential. Uh, now with McCronin as their first not, coach. I mean, it's kind of crazy. McCronin, who some, like always consistent at Cincinnati, but never also consistent and almost never making a run in the NCAA tournament. That's the best UCLA could do. Uh, Washington State, so this is a bad league. We agree still. Washington State projected to be one of the worst mm-hmm. teams. What? But Kyle Smith, obviously, we like him. Good coach, data-driven. A lot of analytics, um, and as you said, up and comer. What, like, what would if you were like say, I would be really satisfied with X for his first year at Washington State. What would you say? Well, let's see. So Kyle Smith, um, in his first year at Columbia, they went six and eight in the Ivy League, the fifteen thirteen overall, two fourteenth in Ken Palm. In his first year at U San Francisco, he went ten and eight in the West Coast Conference in 2013 and 13 overall, 111th in Ken Palm. So, and let's look at Washington State. They are picked to finish 12 and 17 and 5 and 13 in conference. Uh, tied for last with uh, the aforementioned Cal Bears and two games behind UCLA and Utah. Uh, I think you could, you should be satisfied with what, a top, they're 163rd in Ken Palm. Um, I think if they can finish in the top 125, and win seven conference games. That's probably a successful first season. Uh, you know, you look all the way up to number eight. Uh, well, you look at Oregon State is picked to go ten and eight in conference. They're not even yeah, no, good. That's what I'm saying. They have Trey Trey I feel Tinkle. Like if they, over, if they punch so, above their weight yeah. a little bit. They could be, you know, like, like they could be you know, close to five hundred in this league. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, yeah. I do want to point out one thing about their schedule. Kyle Smith takes Christmas very seriously. Here are the four, here are the games around the <laughs> Christmas break. You have on December nineteenth, Florida A and M, three hundred forty second in Ken Palm. December twenty first, Incarnate Wood, three forty sixth. Word. word Incarnate Word. word. <laughs> <laughs> Incarnate Wood. Hey, uh, uh, another cue uh, should be wrapping up. Soon, but yeah. And then Arkansas yeah. Bluff. <laughs> 339th on December 29th. So he is, you know, he, he respects Christmas and doesn't want to tax his kids too hard. And let's, oh, by the way, December 15th, the game before that was UC Riverside. Uh, yeah, so the incarnate word. What is their mascot? Uh, the, the scriptures? I don't know. Um, I, 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 one thing I know, talking, about Kyle, talking to Kyle Smith um, a few years ago, is that he is not really a big fan of playing a tough non-conference schedule. I remember one year he bragged that his team was only getting on a plane once in the entire season because he, he didn't like traveling. Um, in past years, the non-conference schedule, they were 331st last year uh, at San Francisco, 165th the year before, what, 314th the year before that. 
Um, and then if you if you look at him at um, at Columbia, their schedule was 300th in his final year, 254th the year before that, 257th the year before that, 238th the year before that, and 268th the year before that. So the the 2018 um, team at USF was the only one in the top 200. So I, I don't anticipate until his team gets to, to be at large good. Uh, at Washington State, I don't see them playing a uh, very difficult their, non-conference schedule. It's just their not Kyle's toughest non-conference game this year is New Mexico State, uh, a semi-home game. And they also have Nebraska 96. Those are the only two teams inside the Ken Palm top 100 that he'll play in the preseason. So anyway, we we've yeah. done enough Kyle Smith talk. But good luck to Washington State. Go yeah. Cougars. Yeah, go Cougars. Um, just in case you're wondering about the rest of the conferences, I'm not going to go all the way to the bottom, but uh, we, we do want to mention the West Coast Conference. Uh, BYU should be good this year with jo- Yoli Childs returning um, in the first season of Mark Pope, the former Kentucky Wildcat, coming over from um, Utah Valley State. Uh, they also returned uh, uh, TJ Hawes, I believe. Uh, should be a pretty interesting team. Uh, I want The Ivy League is a, is a league it is. Um, that uh, you're familiar with. Um, the Ivy League is is picked to finish 12th overall this year, which is pretty good. They were 12th last Ahead year. Ahead of the Missouri Valley um, Conference, which has really suffered a fall from mm-hmm. grace, I might add. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Harvard, Penn, Yale, Columbia, Brown, Princeton, Dartmouth, all top 200 teams projected by Ken Palm, which uh, I, I can't imagine there's ever been a year where seven of the eight teams in the Ivy League have finished in the top 200, so that would be something that actually happened. What, do, uh, what are Columbia's your thoughts? Columbia's 215 last year, and... Ken Palm has them going all the way up to 151, which would put them in the mix for a 7-7 seven and seven finish and a berth in the four-team Ivy League basketball tournament. So, Jim Engel... Yeah, I think you put in a mix of a 9-9 nine and nine finish in the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, now Jim Engel's fourth year at Columbia, so uh, he's done okay. It's a really tough place to coach. They haven't won an Ivy League title since 1968, so uh, we'll keep our expectations in check. Yeah. Speaking of Czech, are they calling it Czechia now, or is it still Czech Republic? What? It's still the Czech Republic. But then there's this thing called Czechia. Have oh, you seen no, this? I seen this. You haven't? Oh, Czechia has won the Czech Republic name debate. Oh. The Czech Republic, also known by its short form name, Czechia, is a country in oh. Central Europe. And there's also Chechnya, right? That's separate. Yeah, Czech Chechnya. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with a guy from Slovakia. I learned a lot about there's in Slovakia and the Czech Republic. So oh, yeah. apparently Slovakia is very rural. Uh, that said, um, it's also rural, much of China until um, recently because of all the people moving from the countryside to the urban we have, areas. Well, we more really in China in the future. Topics tonight. Yeah, it's true. Um, oh, one last thing before we go. I was looking through my uh, my dusty relics, and I came across the uh, 2008-2009 college basketball prospectus. Uh, I want to just go through the faces on the cover. This is um, where 2008-09? You, you, yeah, 2008-09. So uh, on the left, it's Blake Griffin, stay on Oklahoma. Nice. Big yeah, name. Still, still relevant. Next is, uh, yeah, still relevant, uh, banged up or relevant. Next is Billy Gillespie. Getting defensive at Not Kentucky. Well, that, that wouldn't, yeah. Mm. Entering his last season, as it turned out, at Kentucky. A Tyler Hansbrough returns to season, senior season. Great college okay. player. Not really they, they, won, they won the title that year. That was good. Ben Hallen, the, the subhead is building the new UCLA dynasty. 
Whoops. Nope. Um, next is Raymar Morgan, now the man at Michigan State, and uh, and then Frank Martin. Is there life after Beasley? And uh, Frank Martin, there was. He went to a Final Four, another another team. So um, if you were talking yeah, in so. 2009 about which who would be the most relevant yeah. player people on that cover in the sport of basketball. It, mm-hmm. So Frank Martin's what second or third? Because you have uh, Blake Griffin still more more relevant. But yeah. then. Who's who's more relevant in basketball right now, Tyler Hansbrough or Frank, Frank Martin? Martin? Yeah, what's Tyler Hansbrough? Uh, you Billy Gillespie's at Ranger College right now, by the way. Ranger yeah. College. Oh, spe- speaking of a very similar player, Tyler Hansbrough, Aaron Kraft trying to become a doctor. He's retired. He's quit basketball. Retiring from basketball, to become a doctor. He's going to Ohio State Med School. Um, yeah. It looks like uh, Tyler Hansborough last played with the Zhejiang Golden Bulls uh, in China last season. It doesn't seem like he's going to play this season. Maybe maybe he will, but uh, so far he hasn't uh, decided to play. So That's bad news for the Zhejiang Golden Bulls. Um, <laughs> I heard they had a secret yeah. scrimmage last week. He's, he, didn't, he didn't participate. The, gold, the Golden <laughs> Bulls against maybe the Guangzhou Long Lions. I like that they're called the Long Lions. I, I, I wonder if they're called Olung. It was has two O's. Okay, well, that's different. But it says literally Long Lions on this other one. I don't know. <laughs> Incarnate Wood. <laughs> yeah. When, I, I, I will, if, you, if our Incarnate Wood plays the Guangzhou Long Lions in a secret scrimmage, I, I want to see yes. the box score. Oh, uh, the Guangzhou Long Lions, by the way, on their roster right now, Maurice Spates. Wow. Former, uh, former, former NBA champion <laughs> with the Golden he State Warriors. Shots in the finals, and now he's running around, yeah. knocking down twenty footers over there. Yeah. Also, Kyle Fogg, who's from uh, Brea, California, former Arizona player. Kyle Fogg. Fog? I, I've been to his hometown of Brea. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Rock chalk. Uh, let's, let's call. It, let's call it a podcast. Okay. Let's do it. That's it. Good night. I just stayed in my hotel room, man. Every time I look out my window, it's it's pretty depressing out here, man. It's bad. It's bad. So you don't you're not going out? No. No going out in Cleveland, man. It's on factories. Do you regret anything that you said about Cleveland? Not at all. You like it? You think Cleveland's cool? I mean I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation. What's so good about Cleveland?